How I Do It, Neuraxial Ultrasound, by Dr. Sri Kali from the Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Samar Naruz from Western Reserve Hospital, and Dr. Hari Kalagara from the Mayo Clinic, Jacksonville. Central neuraxial blockade, or CNB, with epidural or spinal anesthesia, or analgesia, is an established technique for surgical anesthesia and postoperative pain management. Traditional landmark-based palpation in tandem with loss of resistance to saline or air is highly successful for epidural placement in patients with normal anatomy. Similarly, spinal anesthesia can be performed using landmarks with needle tactile response and flow of cerebrospinal fluid serving as a clear endpoint. However, factors like obesity, congenital or acquired spine deformity, and previous spine surgery can pose technical challenges. But ultrasound can overcome inaccuracies in estimation of intervertebral space by palpation methods. Ultrasound imaging is used both before and during CNB procedures. Pre-procedural scanning prior to skin puncture helps identify midline, appropriate interspace, any abnormal anatomy, depth to the epidural space, and planned needle trajectory. Then, real-time ultrasound guidance is used to perform CNB. This article describes the anatomy of the spine, relevant ultrasonographic views, and the techniques used to perform neuraxial blocks using ultrasound imaging. Gross anatomy and sonoanatomy of the lumbar vertebrae. Comprehensive knowledge of gross and sonoanatomy of the vertebrae and the vertebral canal is necessary to understand neuraxial imaging. Each lumbar vertebra is made up of a body and arch. The arch is comprised of pedicles, a spinous process, transverse process, lamina, and superior and inferior articular processes. The vertebral canal or spinal canal is formed by the spinous process and lamina posteriorly, pedicles laterally, and vertebral bodies anteriorly. The thecal sac and its contents, that is, spinal cord, cauda equina, and cerebrospinal fluid, lie within the vertebral canal. The epidural space lies outside the thecal sac within the vertebral canal. Recognizing these key anatomical structures in parasagittal and transverse views facilitates performance of ultrasound-guided neuraxial interventions. Ultrasound cannot penetrate the bony surfaces of the lumbar vertebrae. Hence they appear as hyperechoic white lines, casting dense acoustic shadows that have characteristic patterns corresponding to the bony contours. Interlaminar space located posteriorly between the two adjacent vertebral laminae is a bony window through which the ultrasound beam can pass through and enable the thecal sac to be visualized. The intervertebral foramina are located laterally between the two adjacent vertebrae where the spinal nerve roots emerge. The ligamentum flavum, epidural space, and posterior dura often appear as single or sometimes double hyperechoic white structures, referred to as the posterior complex, or PC. The anterior dura, posterior longitudinal ligament, 
and posterior aspect of the vertebral body are visible as a single hyperechoic white line, referred to as the anterior complex, or AC. Sonographic views of the lumbar vertebrae. We use the curved array, low frequency, 2 to 5 MHz, ultrasound transducer for neuraxial scanning with the patient in the sitting or lateral decubitus position. A low frequency transducer allows for deeper penetration and a wider field of view, improving the image quality and anatomy recognition. We conduct pre-procedural scanning routinely for all patients prior to epidural and spinal anesthesia. This allows clinicians to become comfortable with spine imaging and pattern recognition in patients with normal anatomy and may improve success in challenging scenarios. Accurate estimate of intervertebral level, location of midline, measurement of the depth to the epidural space, and identification of other relevant structures requires systematic scanning in sagittal oblique and transverse planes. Seven ultrasonographic views of the lumbar spine are described for comprehensive neuraxial scanning. The midline sagittal spinous process view can be used to identify the midline, whereas transverse oblique foraminal view is used for chronic pain procedures. Conventionally, three parasagittal and two transverse views are performed for neuraxial blockade. Parasagittal transverse process view. Place the ultrasound transducer in a parasagittal plane, a few centimeters lateral to the midline and cephalad to the sacrum. The transverse processes of successive vertebrae appear as hyperechoic curvilinear structures with deeper hypoechoic shadows as dark finger-like projections, often described as a trident sign. The psoas major muscle is seen deep and between the hypoechoic shadows, whereas the erector spina muscle group is superficial. The view can be used to estimate the accurate vertebral level before the neuraxial procedure. The exact vertebral level can be identified using the parasagittal scanning technique. Place the ultrasound transducer over the sacrum to identify the flat sacral bone, L5 transverse process, and L5 to S1 intervertebral space. Slide the transducer cranially to identify the respective L5 to L4, L4 to L3, and L3 to L2 interspaces, and mark the desired spaces. Parasagittal Articular Process View From the parasagittal transverse process view, slide the transducer medially until a continuous white hyperechoic line of humps is evident. Humps are the acoustic shadows of the articular processes of the facet joints, described as camel hump sign. Neuraxial structures are difficult to see in this view because the bony structures are continuous and do not permit ultrasound signals beyond the articular processes. Parasagittal Oblique Interlaminar View From the parasagittal articular process view, tilt the transducer medially toward the median sagittal plane and bring the lamina into view. The sloping hyperechoic laminae 
of adjacent lumbar vertebrae with gaps in between form a sawtooth or horsehead pattern. The gaps represent the interlaminar spaces through which the PC and AC may be visualized. This is the most important view in sagittal scanning to identify interspaces and mark the skin appropriately. This view is also helpful in identifying the most patent spaces for a paramedian approach to a neuraxial procedure. Transverse Spinous Process View Once the appropriate interspaces are identified and marked using the parasagittal oblique interlaminar view, rotate the probe 90 degrees and center it on the midline to obtain a transverse spinous process view. The appropriate interspace for a subarachnoid injection should be below L2 to prevent injury to the conus and match the surgical incision for an epidural. The posterior tip of the spinous process is identified superficially as a white hyperechoic line with acoustic shadowing beneath it and a sloping hyperechoic lamina bilaterally. This is the key view for the identification of the midline and interspinous spaces between the consecutive spinous processes in obese patients. Transverse Interspinous View After identification of the spinous process and centering it, move the transducer, either cephalad or caudad, to the interspinous space. This view, also known as the transverse interlaminar view, allows for visualization of the PC and AC along with articular and transverse processes laterally. The PC's depth from the skin can be noted in this view and is useful for guiding epidural placement. The transducer may need to be tilted cephalad to visualize both complexes. This angulation can guide the proceduralist needle entry for successful placement. After identification of the PC and AC, the skin markings made in horizontal and vertical directions are joined together to mark the needle entry point for neuraxial procedures. The intrathecal space is evident as hypoechoic space between the PC and AC. Transverse Oblique Foraminal View From the transverse interspinous view, slide the transducer laterally off the midline in transverse plane to the paraspinal space. Tilt the transducer medially, applying gentle pressure toward the vertebral body. The erector spina muscle group is identified superficially with the quadratus lumborum and psoas muscle deeper. The body of the vertebra can be identified along with the superficial nerve root superficial. This view is useful for transferaminal chronic pain interventions, quadratus lumborum, and psoas compartment blocks. Thoracic spine. The upper T1 to T4 and lower T9 to 12 thoracic vertebrae have similar geometry to the cervical and lumbar vertebrae and are amenable for ultrasound scanning. The mid-thoracic T5 to T8 vertebrae have extreme inferior angulation of spinous process and pose technical challenges for ultrasound scanning. Parasagittal windows can be obtained by beginning laterally with identification of ribs and pleura, then sliding medially, identifying the transverse process, 
articular process, and lamina. The parasagittal interlaminar view is used to locate the interlaminar spaces and as the marking point for the neuraxial procedure. The transverse views are challenging to obtain in the midthoracic spine because the transverse interspinous windows are narrow here. A rib marks the junction of the T12 and L1 vertebra. The 12th rib can be identified to locate the T12 vertebra, and a counting down approach can be used to locate accurate lumbar intervertebral levels or a counting up approach for the correct thoracic intervertebral level. Alternatively, the correct level can be determined by counting down from the T1 level after locating the first rib. Scanning Technique Although multiple variations of the scanning technique have been described in the literature, the core principles are the same. The authors use the following stepwise approach. Position the patient sitting for the procedure. Alternatively, a lateral decubitus position is acceptable. Select a curvilinear low-frequency transducer, 2 to 5 MHz, and a sterile ultrasound gel as a coupling medium with a sterile probe cover. Set the screen depth to 9 to 11 centimeters and adjust as needed after initial assessment. Start scanning from the parasagittal transverse process view by placing the transducer a few centimeters lateral to midline and cephalad to the sacrum. The transverse processes are identified as a trident sign. Slide the transducer medially to obtain a parasagittal articular process view, identified as camel humps. Tilt the transducer medially to obtain a parasagittal oblique interlaminar view. Identify the laminae appearing as a sawtooth or horsehead pattern and subsequently the PC, AC, and thecal sac. Count the interlaminar spaces, acoustic windows, up from the sacrum in the parasagittal interlaminar view and identify the desired intervertebral level. Rotate the transducer 90 degrees to obtain a transverse spinous process view at the desired vertebral level and make the midline vertical marking. Obtain the transverse interspinous view by sliding the probe slightly cephalad or caudad. This enables identification of the PC, AC, and thecal sac. Mark the interspaces laterally. The intersection of the vertical and transverse skin markings is the needle entry point for ultrasound-assisted neuraxial procedures. Real-time ultrasound guidance for neuraxial procedures. One of the main drawbacks of pre-puncture scanning is that during the actual procedure, the anesthesiologist is still operating blind. Additionally, pre-puncture scanning provides the operator with measurements at a specific time with the patient in a specific position, but those measurements can change with patient movement, needle insertion, tissue distortion, and needle angle adjustment. Active needle tracking during real-time ultrasound allows experienced providers to visualize the needle as it travels the tissue layers, adjusting the trajectory and confirming tip location throughout the procedure. Studies evaluating the feasibility and success of real-time ultrasound for neuraxial block placement have been promising.
and advancements in transducer technology have improved image quality. However, its use as guidance for midline neuraxial blockade is complicated by acoustic shadows from the vertebrae. Additional factors to consider include using a paramedian longitudinal approach, which provides superior quality images compared to classical ultrasound planes used for pre-procedural mapping, and using saline as a coupling medium because of the possibility of neurotoxicity with ultrasound gel. Currently, real-time ultrasound scanning is a cumbersome and challenging technique with limited clinical utility. Conclusion Neuraxial ultrasound imaging should be in the skill set of every anesthesiologist who routinely performs regional anesthesia. Pre-procedural imaging minimizes the technical difficulty of spinal and epidural placement with fewer needle passes and skin punctures. It helps to accurately identify the midline, vertebral level, and interlaminar space and can predict the depth to the epidural and intrathecal spaces, thereby allowing the anesthesiologist to plan an ideal trajectory for a successful block. The benefits of pre-procedural neuraxial scanning are most noticeable when expert operators conduct the ultrasound examination and when used for patients with predicted difficult spinal anatomy. Evidence suggests that pre-procedural neuraxial ultrasound imaging may prevent complications such as vascular puncture, headache, and back pain. We recommend using pre-procedural neuraxial ultrasound imaging routinely to acquire and maintain skills for success with challenging neuraxial procedures and ultrasound-guided paravertebral and paraspinal regional anesthesia blocks. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode of Azra News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review.